Hello, and welcome once again to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I, once again, am your co-host, Buddy. <laughs> and today we're going to talk a little bit about the end of the Infinity Saga, uh, Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, this is our second attempt at doing this with new and improved streaming setup. And by new and improved, I mean Buddy changed the setting, so it works better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, let's go from the top. What were we? What, what, what did we? What did we see at the top of this episode that was worth repeating? Okay, um, so, so the 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 Avengers Endgame comes out. It is the capstone to the Infinity Saga. I have to be honest. I have a smorgasbord smorgasbord of problems with this movie. Um, I it falls in the same sort of place that Infinity War and Captain Marvel do as a bad movie, right? Like I think this is a truly bad film that has lots of core flaws to its construction, right? Though I will I do want to give it some credit um for being like very ambitious and it does a lot of cool things and I think that the, sort of my central question about Endgame is like can a movie that just acts as, like, raw payoff to all these other movies, right, and fan service be a good movie on those pillars kind of alone, right? Like, let's get rid of some of our, like, preconceptions of, oh, you need themes and, and plot and characters or whatever. Like, let's just, like, say all of those things don't matter. What matters in this movie is that it delivers on fan service and it pays off the entire cinematic universe of and of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Does that make this a good movie based on those two criteria alone? That's kind of my central question here. I think I would argue no. My default is no, but it is like a real thing that I guess I have to sort of uh, wonder about. Yeah, because I, cause I the, the, this is what I said last, last time around. We, we tried this, but yeah, I, I think I think that both of those things can be true at like it can be a great cinematic moment without necessarily being a great movie i, I think you can separate those two things out and appreciate them separately for that yeah um, for instance i think i think this has been true for all of the marvel movies i think almost all of these played better in the theater than they did here like i'm reminded yeah. in civil war where like spider-man shows up and it's this clear applause moment and like applause line or whatever but then the moment he shows up but it's just me watching on my screen that moment reads pretty awkwardly in a way and i think it's because it's built for the theater right uh and there's a lot of that kind of stuff in here and so there's definitely a lot that i look at it i'm like yikes this doesn't age well on repeat viewings but maybe that's like a framing issue like maybe i should have watched infinity war or i'm sorry Endgame the one time in the theater and that's it that's yeah. all of its value, and that's fine. It's cinematic bubble gum, and I'm trying to make it cinematic steak, you know? Yeah, that, so, so that's interesting, because I, I wonder if, like, you know, uh, I, I so you've probably read about more about this than me, but, like, there's, there's some thoughts about, like, what, what constitutes a classic, mm -hmm. right? Like, I wonder if, kind of, like, the ability to, to survive repeated viewings is part of that, right? Like, um... Like, I think there are definitely parts of this Infinity Saga that have gone better since I've been watching it in rapid succession, right? Like, Peter Quill's arc, I think, makes a lot more sense. Or Peter Quill as a character, I think, makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. um, but there are other parts that don't, which, like, you know, the biggest one is Ragnarok straight into Infinity War. It, like, feels like just, like, a, a hard gut punch, which didn't feel as bad when there was, like, you know, six months of real time between them. 
um, or eight months even. I think it was it, it was a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also moments like that in Endgame, like Captain Marvel shows up for the first five seconds of the movie and then immediately pieces out, which I thought was pretty funny. But also, I guess I get it because I'm sure that the, these two films must have had very similar shooting schedules. So, you know, what are you going to do yeah. with that kind of thing? Um, I, I do like how they lampshade it too, where she's like, oh, you guys might not hear from me for a while. Um, and then like only comes back in the, at the last minute to... Uh, to blow the ship up or whatever. Yeah, and and so and um, the other thing is that I do want to kind of compliment the movie on its fan service. Something that both Infinity War and Endgame did, which I felt was very satisfying, was it gave everyone a moment, right? So if your favorite character is the Scarlet Witch or I don't know, man. Hawkeye, right? I mean, Hawkeye is a pretty core character. Just like every, like Doctor Strange, right? Like, I like Doctor Strange a lot. I'm very connected to Doctor Strange as a character. I care about him and his arc a lot. And if he doesn't have a cool moment, I would be mad. But in both Infinity War and Endgame, there is, like, this thing where Doctor Strange gets to do a cool thing for 30 seconds in, like, the big final fight or whatever. And that's satisfying. That's, like, a really satisfying thing. And, um... They that extends forward into some of the other, you know, like cap raising Mjolnir paying off uh, Ultron, for instance, is is like a big version of this. Cap's shield getting like shattered and broken by Thanos, I also think is like another sort of like cool factor version of of this thing. Um, even the like, I don't actually think in a narrative sense, Tony Stark saying. I am Iron Man, and snapping his fingers at the collection of all of the Endgame stuff makes any sense, right, on a narrative or character level. I think it makes sense on a fan service level, because we all remember that that's the way this all started, was at the end of Iron Man, and he says, I am Iron Man, or whatever. And so it's like, it's kind of a moment that is extra textual. It's not, it doesn't work inside of the diegesis of the world, it works inside of the context of the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, maybe? And so, like, maybe that's enough to carry it, and I'm being too harsh. But also... Like, the core story of this is complete garbage, and it really mishandles a lot of its characters outside of maybe Cap and kind of... Like, the the big three, right? Cap, Iron Man, Tony get real arcs in this movie, right? Cap gets his fairy tale ending with um, Peggy Carter. Uh, Iron Man reconciles with his father, which I liked a lot more this time around. Um, and Thor uh, comes to terms with loss, right, by talking to his mom. Um, also being himself in a lot of ways, right? Like, that's yeah. the kind of the big payoff at the end. It's like he, he stops trying to be the king. Sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and so there's definitely character stuff going on in here. But then there's, like, all this other detritus that I think is just... It's very bad and hard to deal with. Like, for instance, one of the things is that, like, this movie wants to have a theme about loss and failure, right? Like, all of the Avengers have PTSD, and they all really, you know, they, they fucked it up, and they didn't win, and that sucks. But then the movie is dedicated to them going back and re-winning at the, at the end, which kind of reminds me of, like, have you ever been in an argument with somebody, and you, like, got 
you know, maybe you got like too flustered or something like that, and you didn't make the right points, and you kind of felt like you lost the argument. But then, like the next day, you're in the shower, and you're like, "Oh man, I wish I had said this. I wish I had said that." This movie is the cinematic version of you going, "Oh, I wish I had done this stuff. Let me go back in time and win the argument or whatever." But then the movie also wants to be about, you know, sometimes it sucks to lose an argument. So it's like I find that to be incredibly contradictory because it's like, what are you supposed to? take from this boy it sucks when you really lose the right way to win though is to go back and fix your problems like i don't know that just that that was so weird this time around um and also something that i kind of flagged in our last review of this where i kind of said i think it's going to bother me more that thanos doesn't have any connection to these people right this is 2014 thanos who is sort of like adopting the iconography of 2018 Thanos and were, like, meant to sort of substitute one for the other, it really did not work for me here. Uh, and you could kind of tell, I don't know, it's just, like, this gigantic, massive contrivance that I I think really brings the movie down. Yeah, I mean, the other side of that is that, I, I like, I don't think he had, like, I never I, I never got the sense in, in the first in, in Infinity War that he had a close connection with them in the first place. Sure. So I don't think that's such a big, like, I, you know, I don't think, you know, in the four years between him looking for the first Infinity Stone and the last Infinity, you know, and in, in Infinity War, like, Thanos, like, that's when he really became Thanos. No, he was clearly that, like, from the beginning, right? Like, well, he so he like, did have the connection with Gamora, Nebula, right, the Guardians, yeah. and he had the connection with Loki at the very beginning. Like, I agree, for the core Avengers roster, there wasn't much, um... You know, it's not like actually, it's not like tone. It's not like Cap and Thanos had a lot of drama. Like even Thor and Thanos only really picked up their drama at the start of that movie when he like kills Loki or whatever. But you can kind of like you know you can you can introduce this character and sort of um, like make it work. But I guess just this thing of past Thanos showing up at the end of the movie to kind of create a big blowout. I don't know. It just felt so out of left field. And I just sort of wish they left Thanos alive. Could you imagine a world where they left Thanos alive, right? He disappears for these five years. Then he finds out the Avengers are working to undo the blip and he shows back up again and it's the exact same guy, you know, and they have to fight him all over again to like really put... I feel like that would have just been the cleaner, more straightforward version of this story that I wish that they told rather than trying to like you know, play, it's like three-card Monty, you know, with the, um, yeah, yeah, with who the bad guy part is. Of it is. They wanted to bring Gamora back, which I, which I, which is the worst version for me, is, mm. is like, bringing Gamora, like, so I know that this, a lot of this falls under, under typical kind of discussions of nitpicky bullshit, but, like, the, the time travel stuff bothered me more this time around, like, first, well, I mean, first of all, this isn't the time travel point, but, like, Thanos' plan, like, I always thought it was kind of suspect, but I think, like, Endgame actively makes it worse because, like, he destroys the stones, right? But, like, the universe is going to double in popul population at some point, right? Like, and it's like, you know, one would have thought he had to keep that around to, like, make sense. But also, some something that occurred to me, and not this is, like, a, a point against, is that, like, most of these planets just have no idea what happened. Just, like, half their people died at some point for no discernible reason. Yeah. Right? And, like, um, I don't know. Maybe that's like an interesting like Elseworlds type story. But the the time travel stuff that bothered me in particular was Loki escaping, right? Like and like these little moments where like you know it's kind of hand whipped as Cap went back and fixed it, right? Like um and then he and then he like walks forward in time. It's like, like you know and I hadn't thought about this too deeply, but like 
that means that he couldn't have fixed the Loki thing. In fact, we know canonically he doesn't fix the Loki thing because Loki ends up in his own TV show premiering soon. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and I'm and I'm sure that like they'll they'll give an explanation. That'll get like an, an explanation because that's like a post Avengers pre Ragnarok Loki. So like it's still like a fairly dickish Loki. Um, uh, uh, but uh, and uh, the other part of this too was was uh, dealing with dealing with um a nebula right like yeah how how do you how do you backfill because like one of the nebulas is dead and this is actually a thing that like really bothered me this time is that shot is so hard to follow like which nebula kills which the only reason i could figure like i had to rewatch it three times the only reason i could figure it out is because you know one of them is missing their orange head plate right and the other one just doesn't have one which, which i thought was like that was like you know again very small moment but a plot critical one and i like i couldn't tell which nebula was dead initially yeah i think um, this movie is incredibly plotty there is so much going on just plot 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 that it that it pushes a lot of this other stuff to sort of like the wayside it makes me sort of fondly remember the avengers and age of ultron which were mostly straightforward movies right like there wasn't all that much there were not big plot twists there were there weren't like huge puzzles to be solved they kind of just go from you know the the setup to there's this whole fight on the helicarrier to the battle of new york you know and i sort of just think that the convoluted nature of the plotting in this piece of the movie really worked against it even infinity war was a little cleaner on this level i felt like which is also an incredibly plotty movie with like a lot of stuff you know like a lot of stuff kind of going on at least you have like the anchor of thanos and his sort of like minions and it is about his like attack on new york and you could kind of follow the individual plot threads themselves to you know kind of like completion um it was so much harder for me to keep up with the action because they were going from you know tony comes back he's yelling at cap they go they kill thanos that now we're five years later right here's the here's the blip everybody's dealing with the blip oh ant-man pops up and now we're dealing with time travel stuff and that splits off into three separate narratives that then reconvenes technically four actually that reconvenes and you have to deal with like nebula and thanos it's just like there's so much going on and i appreciate that this is a three-hour movie right um so they have plenty of time to kind of uh, to kind of get there, but man, did it feel just like there was just too too much on on its plate to really deliver on stuff. I also think that a lot of these character moments worked or didn't work. Like there were like these off-screen things that sucked. The 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 poster child here is the Hulk, which I hated that. I still hated that. We talked about it last week how I hated that, and it continues to be bad and stupid. I am convinced that the reason that they did it. Is because they needed a Hulk to do the snap to bring everybody back or whatever. Um, and you can't convince big ragey Hulk to do that. You have to get, like, a smart Hulk to do that. But instead of putting in the work to reconcile Banner and Hulk, you know, like, where it's like... A, a subplot is Bruce has to figure out a way to convince the Hulk to come back out. And they do this reconcile thing and, you know, he can actually do the, do the, the, the snap. They just... Do it off screen. Give it, give it the old hand wave. Um, I also think that the time travel inside of the time travel was just like so many layers deep that I really lost the thread when they went deeper into 1970, and they never quite answered why Tony knew that both his dad and 
Hank Pym were on the premises? Like, you could tell that he knew his dad was there. How did he know that Hank Pym was there? Is that just a plot hole, I guess? I mean, a very minor uh, one. I mean, that's also where, that's where Hank Pym is working, right? Like, like, like that's when, I, I think that's just kind of like a fundamental, you know, Pym and Stark were working in the secret lab. Yeah. Um, right, like, I, I don't think it was like a day, right? Like, I think it was just like a, 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 a kind of time period um, that works out well enough. Um, I don't think it's that big of a plot hole, like to 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 be mad about. Yeah, fair um, enough. Um, so you know, it's just like it's just like a lot of that little stuff really like really got on my nerves. I think the end of like the end of the movie wants to pay off all of this other like all of this other sort of stuff that it kind of like fuels a lot of the contrivance elsewhere right like you have to get the re-snap hap has to happen but then you also have to have a big fight the end of the movie cannot be hulk snaps his fingers and brings everybody back you have to have a you have to have a big fight and so they do all this time travel shenanigans with nebula again i feel like the right answer is to just have thanos and his army which are still out there just come back as soon as he like learns or whatever maybe you even keep this nebula stuff he has like a bug in nebula's head and she doesn't know about it and so as you know she's doing all of this stuff you have thanos and he's watching on the screen in his big you know spaceship that's still there it still exists right and then he zops back in he bombs the place like i don't, I don't know i this i <laughs> something i keep yeah, saying well, is a good story told well uh this is a bad story told poorly <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I ultimately uh, agree with that. Like, there's just, and like I, th I think that even even the characters that do at least get kind of like their payoffs, like, it, it feels like everything is so so like bare bones, right? Like everybody just gets like a like a couple moments at best, not like, you know, like like uh, it's everybody gets their moment, but they don't get like to be a character, especially mm. like the, the lesser lesser ones, right? Like, um, like uh, like like T'Challa, right? Like you know, Black Panther just kind of like like nods at Cap and like plays plays football with the glove for a little while, and that's basically it, right? Like, um, and they like highlight him as he comes out of the portal. It's like I don't know, it just felt it didn't feel great. I also um, think that 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 is another thing that played really well in the theater and completely whiffed at home. Why, why Cap or why Black Panther? First of all, Black Panther and Cap. So one of the weird things here is. Black Panther and Cap are, like, very well tied in the comics. Like, they are, like, good friends, right? Um, and so I kind of get that they have, like, a like a thing. But in the context of the cinematic universe, Cap and Black Panther fight each other in Civil War, and then he sort of just drops Bucky off, and we're supposed to just sort of, like, infer... Like, maybe this is more off-screen stuff that I was complaining about in the Infinity War thing. Like off-screen post-Civil War, like like, you know... He's he's part of why. Yeah, like we don't even get a line that's like, oh, we've been hiding out in Wakanda because they didn't sign the Sokovia yeah. Accords, or just something along those sorts of lines that would like establish that. Well, just off screen camera, right? We have this whole relationship between like Cap and Black Panther. It really just feels like because Black Panther was super popular, he was the most popular character in the 2018. You know, in the Black Panther movie made a billion dollars, and so he gets to be the first one out of the portal, even though it would have made way more sense for Bucky or Falcon or Pepper 
or Doctor Strange to come out of his own portal that he's making, or Spider-Man, right? Like, I don't know. I just felt like that was very, that was very weird. Yeah, no, I, like, the cynical part of me wants to say that, like, either there's, like, a movie that they didn't have time to make, or, like, a TV series that they want to make, like, it's, like, kind of, like, the five years or whatever, where mm. they, like, go and do, like, do all this work, right? Like, they get Mark Ruffalo to, to come along and, like, figure out how to be Banner, um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I've just I been complaining thought... about this, like, whole, the, the whole time, this is making me hate it even more. <laughs> I, I do say, I, I do want to say that I think that the big fight at the end finally got the sense of scale mostly, right? I still don't think it, ah, like, that's true. hit, yeah, like, you know, this is a consistent thing we've been talking about, so I, I do want to highlight that, that it, that it finally did it, right? Like, it, it, it got it to work, um. Uh, the way, yeah, see, the way that it did that for me, I think, is it brought back the Chitari. I wish that they did this yeah. in Infinity War. Um, I loved seeing the big, the big squid, you know, guys fly, like, flying through the air again. Those guys are great, and it's fun to watch them get blown up. And, you know, you have sometimes, like, the dogs are there. I mean, I really hated the dogs in Infinity War, but that was just because it was only the dogs. And then you also had these, like, big troll guys. And I like that variety, um, which kind of hit on that, like... Aquaman level that I keep comparing it to where it's like yeah. I keep seeing stuff I'm like oh that's cool oh like this is neat you know like oh I like I like that thing um that's the kind of stuff that I'm like going for even though like you know all of this is undercut by that contrivance so it just feels very hollow and very like shallow like this this final fight just seems shallow I guess um Compared yeah, to something I, 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 where it's like more, it comes from the the momentum of like the story, and it's sort of this like inevitable clash between the hero and the villain who've been set up this entire time. I I, I think I, I think I agree with you mostly there. I think part of it too is that they didn't do a ton of like full pullback. Like I think the biggest problems with some with like Infinity War is that like they did a shot of like the whole battlefield, right? Which kind of like shows you how small the battle lines actually seem to see, seem to be. And they don't quite like they, they do it once, and I actually thought it looked kind of like bad, like bad in terms of like scale wise. Um, but like it's only for like half a second, otherwise, it's like a lot that's like close, and that gives you like you know an impression of the scale, which is enough to kind of like let you imagine like your imagination fill it in. Um, kind of along these lines, that I like in terms of the shallowness, I, I think that like you can see kind of like where like this capstone fails, where like in like the fan service moments that don't work. And it, I think that varies person to person. The one that the, the one that like reminded me this time is 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 the you know like the the you know the woman tableau. Oh my god! Of... Oh my god! I wrote in hold on. I wrote in my notes a whole thing for this. I was like, this girl power moment is so fucking cringy. It is the absolute cringiest worst thing in the entire fucking cinematic universe. <laughs> like. Oh my god, it is so hard to watch. I think, and the funny thing is, is that, like, I, you know, I feel like I might get chewed on Twitter for saying something kind of like that, but it's, like, it's not that I don't mind, like, the, the, like, the representation. I'm very happy for, like, that, but it's just, like, it's, it, the thing that caught me this time is that all of these are, like, side characters and, like, girlfriends, you know? It's, like, there is one character in there who headlines a real a movie, and that's Captain Marvel. Maybe the Wasp, right? If you want to, if you want to say that she 
co-headlines with Ant-Man in the Ant-Man sequel. And so, the, for me, I just looked at it and I was just like, oh my god, they are showing all of the, like, the B-list characters as if they, like... I don't know. It just... I and was they insanely cringe. And they don't... That's the other thing. People are friends. They, all they do is share a set of chromosomes. Like, that's it. Also, what the fuck is Pepper Potts doing there? Who on earth was, like, clamoring for Pepper Potts to be a part of, like, the big final fight scene? I think one of the smartest things that they did in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is they got rid of a lot of these, like, girlfriend kind of characters. Like, look, it's nice to see Natalie Portman or Agent Carter kind of, like, show up as part of the background pieces of, like, their arcs or whatever. But, like, if... If you're not going to put in the time to really work on, like, these characters, why are you including them in the, the big final fight scene? I just don't think... Pepper Potts hasn't done anything interesting since Iron Man 2. Like, even in Iron Man 3, she was more or less relegated to the sidelines the entire time. So, yeah, you know. No, I, 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 think that, I think, like, I think... I think they wanted Pepper Potts to be more important than she was, like in, in kind of in general, right? Like, yeah. I think she's supposed to be the wife character, um, in a way that, like, even like even like Clint's wife doesn't get, like, no, nobody else kind of gets gets that like status, um, and it, yeah, I, I agree with you that that it's that that felt like more like an attempt to do, like is is that a character in the uh. In, in, in the comics. The rescue armor is in the comics. They don't even call it that, but that's what it is called. In the comics, there is, uh, like, um, a suit of armor. I don't know if it goes for Pepper. I don't really know Iron Man and Pepper's relationship. Like, classically, they have a deep relationship, but... Um, so, it's called the rescue armor, and that's the name of, like, the superhero persona. Uh, maybe Pepper has it, maybe she doesn't. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that. That whole moment is just, like, so cringy. It's so, like, limp-wristed. That's part of the thing that, like, bothers me about it, right? Like, if you want to make a moment about, like, ooh, let's, like, highlight all of our cool female characters in, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, you just have to include... You can't do that if the only movie of the 27 movies has been Captain Marvel. It's just, like... Yeah. It is terrible, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I will say Captain Marvel, I like Captain Marvel a little bit better in this one. Uh, just because maybe, I don't know, maybe they, the, the Russos are better with action and they knew what to do with her. Though she does basically the same thing of just, well, I'm a big streaky laser and I fly through a ship and I shoot lasers or whatever. But I at least did like enjoy her kind of like 1v1 with Thanos and stuff like that. So I Captain Marvel gets a little step up from another Marvel movie that I think is pretty pretty bad on the whole yeah I, I, so I, I i do want to highlight something which is i i think they did the ant-man and the wasp like that like that that whole like part of the of that corner of the mcu dirty right like i had forgot like i had forgotten that you know michael douglas only shows up as his younger self which i will so as, another thing i want to highlight as a positive is um something i realized watching these back to back is we've been seeing disney's de-aging technology mature through this that's right? true because it started um, and I, and it looks pretty fantastic, right? Like Michael, Michael, Michael Douglas looks like he did, right? Like it's, it's, it's great. Um, but like, you don't, you don't see, um, uh, you don't see either, either, you know, you, you think this might be a 
time where they pull out like classic Ant-Man and classic Wasp as like, you know, this is the fight for everything. Like you can even just like show them on screen for a second or whatever. But mm-hmm. I guess they I wonder if he, if Michael Douglas was even like on set, right? Like did they just like paste his old face on top of somebody else? I was I thinking that maybe they would they maybe they did do that. I was thinking they maybe did that with Natalie Portman as well, though like she later shows up in a much more clear detail. And I wonder if like is this like maybe this is like editing edit shots like cutting room floor stuff from thor 2 right. that they never used or whatever but you know who knows yeah um but yeah no i like you know scott is slightly less dumb in this movie than he was in ant-man and the, and the wasp and then like hope shows up literally to you know uh fire up the van which fails and that's it <laughs> um so you know uh oh and also enter and enter the woman tableau but you know that's that that's that's basically it Yep. Um, I'm not a, but this is this is a personal peeve of Mango loves, uh, Mango loves Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, uh, I also like that corner of the of the of the Marvel universe. I almost sort of wish that if it was going to be a more dedicated time travel movie, that they it, like it just seems like them going to the 70s where like Tony talks to his own dad, you know, and and like Cap sees Peggy through like the window or whatever should have just been like there from moment one because I like that moment, but I wish it was bigger. Like I like the idea of Scott going and hanging out with Hank Pym and like having to, you know, convince old Hank Pym to to do this. I it seems weird to me that he went with them to New York, but he didn't go deeper to do the Hank Pym stuff, which is like I guess they just didn't. So, I I'm with you here, right? Like. He's, you know, Scott, or he, he's, he's Hank Pym's protege. He's the thief, right? Like, he's the guy who should probably be able to steal this stuff without... <laughs> I don't actually think about that, but yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and they don't even tell him what they're doing, right? They're just like, uh, we're going, go go back. This is funny part of me, like, he, you know, he kind of gets short in the stick, right? Like, they set him up as being, like, an important part of this, right? Because he, he's the one that shows up with, without anybody knowing. He's the one that starts this, like, train of thought about the, the quantum realm, but he's like... Quantum Realm time travel. That's an idea, and then tells it to Tony Stark, and Tony Stark and 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 Banner do all the work on it, right? Like, it's like yep. And like he's basically like an it, like you know, less of an idiot, but still an idiot. It's like you know, uh, Back to the Future guys. It works like that, and that's like his entire contribution. So. I do want to highlight, by the way, because because we're on this, that uh, in terms of characters and moments that did that were done well, is as a Doctor Strange person, I really loved the the Ancient One. And Hulk's conversation and their like whole thing, I thought that was beautiful and great. If this is that that was what I was looking for. If they had done that for of the variety of other characters, Ant Man, the Guardians, right? Um, in the same way, because that almost felt like that almost felt like for Doctor Strange in a way. What um, you know the Thor moments. Or like the, the the Iron Man moments are the kind of like a miniature version of that. Here's just a small thing, but like where the ancient one is like, you know what? Doctor Strange is supposed to be the best of us. Like, oh, warms my heart. And she and you know like the way that she like bloofs Bruce out of his Hulk body or whatever, just like oh ho ho. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I just think that that is that's what I want. That's like the poster child of what I wished I had gotten for some of these side characters right um like ant-man um like rocket and nebula who's like why are they even fucking around right um war machine also why are you around i love him i he's great he's fun you know um he shows up in the end in like that special war machine armor that 
all he does is kneel next to Tony and be like, no, Tony, no. Um, I also feel like this this movie was a lot less action-packed than the other ones were, which sucked. Uh, like, something that I said about Infinity War is that, like, you know, the plot doesn't work. Characters kind of suck. It's it's really just, like, mean and, like, kind of hateful and just, like, very dour, right? But at least on, like, a stakes level and, like, a fighting level, it's very satisfying, right? Um, kind of from minute one, right? The fight, uh, like, watching Thanos beat the Hulk because he's as strong as the Hulk but actually has a brain in his head and he can, like, you know box was cool right watching them fight squidward and the big guy in in new york with dr strange iron man and you know whatever watching all of those guys face off against thanos on the one planet where the other planet is everybody's just like frying the dogs i mean i hate the dogs and i think they're stupid but at least you get like these cool moments of like you know um uh black widow and okoye 2v1ing the lady with that staff or whatever right um there just was a lot less of that in this movie basically all of the action was in that final big blowout uh otherwise where like cap 1v1'd himself in the 2012 yeah. timeline or whatever like i don't know yeah that, that's basically it. i think you're right i think that might be it. oh and he also does the oh no he doesn't they set it up. They set it up as he's gonna, if he's gonna, as if he's gonna do the, uh, the elevator fight again, which I thought was a cool setup. But I, I did think that was a clever play, payoff. Right? I also think that was a clever payoff. Yeah. Um. um so, you know. I don't also, know. also that that was. To- I don't know if you remember, but that was like, that was topical, right? Because like he had done that in the comics too much, kind of like. Yeah. Fervor, everybody right? was really mad about it, but they didn't realize that comics are weird. I guess. <laughs> like Cap's well, memories had been like fucked with with via the. Yeah, yeah. The Tesseract, the Hypercube, whatever they call it. The Cosmic Cube is what I'm thinking of. Um, like, the Red Skull got the Cosmic Cube and, like, went back in time to make Kappa's secret Hydra agent, but then he undid it. Man, comics are so fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. Really, at the end of the day, Endgame reminds me of bad comic book crossovers, right? It bleeds a little too much into everything. It's too big for its britches, kind of. Um, it's too plotty. And at the end of the day, the good stuff that you're there for, right? Like, the really, like, deep, juicy action and character drama is just, like, kind of not... It just is not there. It doesn't pay off. And um, ultimately, you're left kind of... It's just a very, like, shallow experience. Well, something that, you know, like, Bucky and Tony, when the last time they saw each other, Tony was like, if I see you again, I'm going to, like, fucking kill you. Bucky shows up, nothing. You know, like, completely, completely by the wayside, which I, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do with any of that kind of, any of that kind of stuff. But I guess we've talked a lot about it in game. I don't know. Uh, where does it, do we want to do rankings now? We can do rankings later. We should do our final rankings, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can talk. We can place where this one's gonna go, just because it's 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 Endgame. Okay, just right. for everyone's awareness, Endgame is my second to last, above the first Captain America, which just is the what is the worst one bothers me so fucking much, uh, and just below Captain Marvel, which I thought honestly is like is a painful thing to do because I think the original the Captain Marvel movie is also pretty bad, um, but uh, I don't know. And Avengers Endgame is worse, so that's where it falls for me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm putting this fairly high up there, but that is because I believe in this kind of like theory of it is good or it is good as a kind of cinematic achievement and so sure. i've got it right above iron man one, between iron man one and uh, captain america which puts it approximately like seventh for me 
Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, okay. But yeah, let's move on to Spider-Man: Far From Home. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot to say about this one. I loved Spider-Man: Far From Home. It was like the perfect palate cleanser coming off of Endgame. It is a core, simple, straightforward Spider-Man story. Right? He is bucking under the feeling of being too responsible. He wants to just be a kid again. And when presented with that opportunity, he is taken advantage of uh, by Mysterio, who is an incredibly compelling villain that they do just in an insane amount of justice to with his, like, illusions and, and you know, hallucinatory shit. Um, funnily enough, I guess this kind of came out under the cloud of, like, Alex Jones and, like, Infowars and stuff like that, where it's, like, it, like reality is what you perceive, right? Um, but I didn't get that much of a sense this time. I don't know. For some reason, I just kind of got caught up in, the in like, the holographic... You know, look, he just does VR. <laughs> like, that's it, right? Um, but I just loved everything. I just loved everything about this movie because it just felt like it was a very core Spider-Man story, right? The true eponymous Spider-Man was on was on screen. Honestly, ironically, the part of it that I hated the most was, again, this movie relies too much on Tony's relationship with Iron Man, which... Fair enough, like, it's an interesting plot thread, I get that it gives Mysterio his backstory, all this other sort of stuff, but I just, I cannot stop complaining about the stupid fucking high-tech bullshit that I just, ugh. I will say, though, that it was less high-tech this time, which is good, because it, like, felt like I won, it felt like the filmmakers were like, you know what, we're not gonna give him this crazy, stupid iron spider suit or whatever. He's gonna fight most of this movie in his regular suit. I guess he actually fights all of this movie because he doesn't technically fight in the iron spider suit. It just shows up, and I viscerally hated it. I was like, "Fuck this thing!" Yeah. And I had just watched Endgame, which was all about him using the stupid iron spider suit. And he's like, "Activate instant kill mode." I never fucking want to hear Spider-Man say the words "Activate instant kill mode." Ah. It's so bad. I hate it. I hate it so much, Mango. Anyway, but that's it. Like, I, it's it's no more complex than that. Um, it kind of reminds me of Ant-Man and the Wasp in that way, right? Where it's just like, boy, coming off of, like, the big slog, having a kind of upbeat, you know, straightforward story felt really nice, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I couldn't bring myself to care super much about this movie <laughs> um and i think i'll mostly agree with you on kind of like the fundamentals but like part of part of this for me is like i couldn't help myself from seeing like like just like seeing seeing it cynically which to me was like this is sony trying to eat marvel's pies like who's going to be the next iron man it's going to be who's going to be the next big Marvel Cinematic Universe starts. It's going to be Spider-Man under a Sony banner, and we're going to push this super hard, and that's all I could see the entire movie, right? Because, like, I don't know, everything felt a little bit off to me, like, like almost, like, kind of like it was off-brand. I don't know why, right? Like, I don't know why, like, I don't know if that's real or not, and, like, you know, Sam, Sam Samuel Jackson and I can never remember the the female S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are, are supposed to be that way because they're Telos, right? Like, it's, you know, but, like, and, like, maybe that makes it better in retrospect, but, like, I don't know, like, the, the kind of, like, actual, like, but, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't make myself care a lot. And, like, I don't know, the, the happy, the happy, like, I don't know, happy, the, the happy thing didn't, didn't, didn't run right to me. But I, yeah, I, I also hate I all of that. Why. 
Yeah. Uh, I like this to me is just like Iron Man detritus. Just get away from it. I hate it. Go. Don't don't deal with it anymore. Um, and, and since everybody and their mother is like coming for Spider-Man three or whatever, we keep getting announcements on Twitter. It's like Tobey Maguire and you know Doc Ock. I'm actually really hype about that one to be honest, because you know how much I like Spider-Man two. But um, the uh, uh, I just I just like want to get away from this stuff with him. And Iron Man, like, so for instance, something that actually really fundamentally bothers me about this movie is that I think Mysterio is kind of correct that Tony Stark was an asshole. Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I'm just like closet, I don't know, like a socialist or something like that. But the idea that there are these aggrieved workers who Tony Stark, like, appropriated the technology that they created and that they get so mad about it that they become fucking like supervillains seems like a like hyper capitalist wet dream in a way you know and it's just like man maybe tony stark should not have named this guy's project barf for no reason like it just seems like he's being a dick and i get that it's like funny but like the movie chooses to frame it that way and i just find myself a little on their side when it comes yeah. to you know the, the the framing of it the movie itself yeah i mean so the 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 justification is a throwaway line that says that he's mentally unstable, which proves that to be true, but, like, it's, like, you know. But, again, like, the part of me that, like, was chafing me the wrong way is, like, I, I get that perspective, but it felt to me like Sony Sony trying to, like, eat Marvel Sunch again, right? It's like, yeah. and Tony was bad, right? Like, and, you know. <laughs> um, Yeah. I mean, and I like this stuff, right? Like, I like this in, in Homecoming a lot. Even if, like, in Homecoming, it was very weird. Like, I have a tough time with Homecoming because of the, like, at the end of the day, the thing that Spider-Man needs to do is stop Iron Man from getting robbed. Like, that just feels incredibly off from what you would think of from, like, a Spider-Man story. Whereas this one is, he's legitimately saving people, right? You know, Mysterio is trying to cause casualties because he wants to, like, you know, become the next Avenger, which is admittedly pretty fucked up. Um... But just, I don't know, man, like, the weird interaction with with Spider-Man and Tony has to die, get rid of it. It's bad. Stop it, you guys. It's like the thing that is holding these movies back. Also, I don't love the high school stuff. It was a little too played for comedy, I guess. Um, yeah. I will, I, I, I don't know. It just felt like I wanted to be taken seriously as the bedrock of Spider-Man's desire, right? He wants to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower, tell the girl that he likes that he likes her, and give her a necklace and a smooch, or whatever. And, like, that's, like, very sincere and heartfelt, but it kept playing that stuff for comedy, such that I found it a little bit hard to kind of, like, connect with Peter and MJ. Even their kiss is funny and it's funny i laughed but i'm not sure i'm supposed to laugh if this is sort of like the emotion like the, this bedrock of sincerity for the character i know I, so i think the kiss in particular works well just because it's like it's it's a teenage romance right it's like neither of them knows what they're getting into right like, sure kind of like being awkward i, I thought that was <sighs> yeah fun, but like i i think I, I agree with you in kind of the the, the broader strokes about like the like i don't know like like the the, the whole thing where like like his romantic arrival for MJ's attention, like takes a picture of him in his underwear. Yeah. Like, what the what, what the fuck was that? And the drone, and he like summons the drone to like that whole bit 
really did not work. Like, he, he points, oh, baby goats! And then he opens the top of the bus, right? Jumps up, shoots the drone with webs, falls back in. Does he close the top of the bus? Do people not realize the top of the bus is open? Like, I... Man, I have rock-hard suspension of disbelief, but you want to tell me that every single person in there wanted to see fucking baby goats, that none of them watched Peter Parker leap 12 feet in the air through an open skylight in a bus moving 60 miles an hour? Like, what the fuck? Not, not only that, but it's played so cool, right? They, they do slow motion, and it's like yeah, yeah, a yeah. problem of his own creation, right? Like, like it's... Uh, I just... I, I just I, and, and this is why like I, I was like whatever with, with, with most of it right like it's just <sighs> I don't know, I don't know. Just, the just... other thing is I really bothered me how much Nick Fury gets duped like of all people in the world to be duped by something yeah. like this absolutely should not be Nick Fury though the, I had forgotten about the thing with they were scrolls so uh, that is yeah. a moot point because I watched the, the end credits scene I was like oh I remember because at first I was like he's pretending to be Nick Fury right like Nick Fury it's also a plant because like honestly some of the stuff that Nick Fury says to Peter is so pointed towards what Quentin wants that I was just like this is also clearly a, like a hologram like he has another person who is like acting Nick Fury and he's getting voice modulated or something, and I was like, was that the twist? I don't quite remember the twist. And then I was like, no, for real, that was Nick Fury. And then I was actually, like, mad for a second. But like I said, it's Scrolls. Who cares? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but that also seems like a cop-out in a lot of ways, right? Like... You think so? Like, I mean, so, like, you got, you, you're telling me that when, you know, interdimensional, you know, elementals show up, the Telos' reaction is, like, you know, this isn't, like, a low-level thing. It's to call Spider-Man because he can't figure anybody else out to call and not call Nick Fury, right? Like, that, that, that yeah. that's just, like, a little bit, like, like, that's, like, a fridge moment. That's, like, a straight-up fridge moment for me, right? Because, like, in the moment, I don't think about it too much, but it's, like, wait, if things were this bad, right? Like, if, like, literal interdimensional beings were showing up, were showing up, like, you think Telos has, like, the balls, essentially, to be, like, oh, yeah, we'll just welcome this strange... This 16-year-old... Is going to be the one to solve it, not the King of Wakanda, not the Sorcerer Supreme, right? Not calling Thor, who's hanging out with the Guardians of the fucking Galaxy, you know, like... Not, like, texting Nick Fury and being like, there's a thing, we'll try and handle it, <laughs> right? Like, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, it's just, like, that's just, like, a little too much for me. These um, movies really get away with a lot because they play shit for comedy, I think, to be honest yeah. with you. Because you yeah, never want to harp on it. And it is, and these, and because they're making fun of the moment, you never want to, like, call them on it. But, like, yeah, that is a moment that literally and truly does not work. So, yeah. anyway. But, like I said, I really enjoyed Far From Home, The like, the core of it. I think the core of it is really strong, even if I have some of these problems. Uh, it ends up, for me, just under Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and above Captain America the Winter Soldier. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, it is my sixth favorite Marvel movie. Right, and for me, um, it is at the bottom, uh, it is at the very bottom of the uh, good movies for me. So, it's right under Homecoming. Um, Fair enough. So, uh, so uh, let's, let's for, for the official record, uh, let's go from the top down. You want to you, you want to start? All right. Here's my top down list of 
Marvel Cinematic Movies. We have Avengers Age of Ultron, the champ, undefeated. Avengers Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and the Avengers, which is the, the upset. I really did not like the Avengers, but boy, oh boy, uh, has it really, like, won throughout this bracket. Uh, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 2 as my, like, top five. Um, under that is Far From Home, The Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I would call all of these good, solid movies, right, that I like That I like a lot. I like these movies quite a bit. The big upsets there are probably The Avengers and Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I probably would, would not have said were that far up on the list. Then we have Iron Man 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor 2, Hulk, Thor, Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man Homecoming, right? This is sort of my middle of the pack, um, where these movies are typically okay. Like, Infinity War, I think, is actually pretty bad, but, like, the, the, the ambition that it has and some of the, like, the action and stuff like that just, like, works so well that it kind of, it punches above its weight class. Um, and I also just, like, like a lot of the drama. Like, man, Iron Man 2 is weirdly high on this list. But this, these are my middle of the pack movies, right? I like them just fine. They're, they're definitely very watchable. Then we have Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Iron Man, uh, Captain America Civil War, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Captain America. These ones I think I will never watch again. I don't want to watch any of these again. They are not movies for me, and in the cases of Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, truly bad films, truly bad movies that are not good movies, whereas the rest are good movies that are just particularly not suited towards my say tastes. For that is my entire, that is my entire list. Uh, where, right. where do you come down? All right. So starting at the top, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Thor, Ragnarok, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. These are like the ones that I think are like great, like, like, you know, like truly great. Then, um, we, we're going to go with Endgame, asterisk, asterisk it if you have to. Like, I don't think I'd watch this movie standalone, but, you know, I think it's, it is, it is a capstone, and I appreciate it for that. Followed by Iron Man, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers, Thor 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Infinity War, which are, like, my, like, you know, A- minus B-plus movies. Like, good, would watch again for fun. Then Captain America, The First Avenger, Civil War, Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home. These are my, like, B- you know, B minus territory. You know, it's kind of like I wouldn't say no if they were on, but I don't think I'd seek them out to watch them again. And then the bottom of the list is Iron Man two, Thor one, Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, and as you know, the 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 real kind of discovery for me is how much I absolutely loathe Iron Man three. <laughs> yep. So uh, that's, okay. Uh, that's so what are your I'm, overall? Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I might try and post these on on our. Uh, underutilized website at some point as like a as like a list that way we can like link to it or something but okay we'll, uh, overcome that yeah what are your uh like like big final thoughts on the end of the like the mcu at the end of this project like where do you where do you sort of come down i think as a cinematic project it is impressive Right, like it, you know, the the series that launched a thousand other failed cinematic universes, right? Like, yeah, I think, like maybe that's part of the like, you know, maybe I am. I think it's more impressive because like we've seen other studios, other studios that have like you know the the might to do it mm -hmm. fail pretty significantly um, at doing them. MCU still theoretically going strong. Even um, Disney, right? Like, I would argue that Star Wars is also 
trying to be that and you know like we've agreed that the sequel trilogy is pretty bad overall um at least yeah. two or three of those movies are bad and you know i mean i you you like solo better than i did um yeah, but like, like than I did, so. yeah, you, you know, like the Disney movies of Star Wars, like its other big gigantic rival property are not working out, even though they've just announced like a million new projects um, because well, I guess the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, which we'll have to do at some point. I, I think I got spoiled by a Star Wars actor on Twitter about a uh, cameo in, in the movie. I won't say it in case you haven't been, but uh, in case people at home Let's haven't. just say that I started my, my Mandalorian rewatch because I really want to get to that. I, I feel like I'm filtering out Mandalorian pretty well, uh, but I want to make sure that I can uh, that I can get to the end as unspoiled as possible. And every day it feels like a walking on eggshells but anyway we, we don't need to talk about that yet um so yeah i do agree with you i we have definitely seen like other cinematic universes just like not not cut it even cinematic universe like you know like the dc cinematic universe which i would say is the most successful of the competitors right is not nearly as successful um compared to you know like what marvel was able to sort of like set up and do um Especially when, you know, you think of the Dark Universe. I am always depressed that the Dark Universe did not become a real thing. Uh, I would have yeah. loved to watch those movies. <laughs> I feel like I would have loved to, like, like have, like, hate-watched them. I mm -hmm. at least would have liked to have, like, seen what the concept was supposed to... Like, what the crossover concept was supposed to be. Yeah. Right? Because, like, you know, it could have been interesting. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Um, but that's kind of my biggest thing, is that, like... They have replicated. They have like replicated that connect, connected universe kind of thing that is really hard to do in other in other places. Um, actually, I think like basically undone in any other way before, right? Because mm -hmm. even like the TV shows that do crossovers are like for an episode and they're like you know small things. But like... I will say that the DCCW shows do just as ambitious stuff as the okay. Marvel. In fact, I would actually probably say that they do more ambitious things in a technical sense. Um, but you know, like, but that is a TV. That's like a corner of TV, um, which yeah. is just such a different animal, right? Like, most people are not watching, um, you know, the CW shows or whatever. Even if it is like, like all of the stuff we're talking about in Spider-Man Three, like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Molina, um, or not, and uh, what's his name, Alfred Molina, Alfred, yeah, yeah, coming back, like that's cool, um. But the uh, the the cool the the I'm sorry the CW shows have also been doing that like Brandon Routh came, coming back as Superman af after you know Superman Returns right uh, you have Ezra Miller showing up as the Flash in a TV show <laughs> before the movie that was supposed to come out in which was supposed to come out last year has ever even like started shooting i fucking i guess or whatever like i don't know i do think that we are we are entering an age where things are more connected and um are more connected than ever and that is very cool and interesting yeah um and that, that's kind of like my big kind of ending thought i do have a nuclear take but i want to hear your, 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 your yeah so my thought. big ending thought is i am sad at the way infinity war civil war and endgame kind of squander the good stuff in the first half of the movies the more the deeper we got into it the more i sort of longed 
for Ultron and for the original Avengers movies, which I just think so perfectly nailed these interactions between the characters, right? Um, and really had me believe in their friendship. Um, and, uh, you know, I miss it. I miss it dearly. And it sucks because, you know, like, Ultron came out in 2015. Ultron came out, like, five years ago. And I don't think people remember that movie as fondly as I do. And I feel like when people talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe five or ten years out, we are going to be talking about Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. And those are the three movies that sort of, to me, kind of tank the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way. Um the promise of it was sort of like not quite realized um, just because those movies in particular are not great. That said, uh, as it got on, I do think that the movies got better in their solo franchises. Um, for instance, you know, you can really see the difference between Thor 2 and 3. You can see the difference in the way that Guardians of the Galaxy um, and even Spider-Man, the Spider-Man movies kind of get like their own... Um, or like Doctor Strange, right? They get to sort of like break away from the mold, which I thought was very nice and, and like kind of a welcome addition. Yeah. So even as I, I felt like the kind of core spine was sort of rotting away in, you know, Civil War, Infinity War and Endgame, um, the solo franchises, right? And the individual movies that were coming out with the weird exception of Captain Marvel, which, you know, whatever, um, were kind of like each better than the last and uh, more unique and more sort of um, core stories that were built on just quality, innovative and interesting, you know, filmmaking and, and writing and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm like kind of simultaneously like hopeful for the Marvel Cinematic Universe as I am uh, like mourning what it could have been and how sort of the crossover potential just like didn't work, just did not. So I, did not I, work I for your old pal, buddy. I think what ultimately happened here is that um, they're just for too many characters. I think that's why Ultron and the original Avengers work so much better. Is there, there are few enough characters that they can just kind of interact. And mm -hmm. like, you know, I think there are too many characters such that these the solo movies, which aren't necessarily going to be solo anymore, they're gonna you're gonna have like minor crossover potential, right? Like Love and Thunder is gonna probably gonna have the Guardians in it, right? Yep. Like, and is Guardians of Galaxy three gonna have Thor in it, right? Like, um, uh, like. Like those, those. That's where you'll get kind of like those, the, those good interactions that we saw in Adventures and Ultron, and the big crossover movies are just going to kind of, as the nature of the beast, just have to be fan service porn. Like that's basically it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a shit, but like I don't, I don't see how you get around it, other than doing like, you know, very long or like very multi-part parted movies. Which I think the thing movies. that really bothers me is at the end of Avengers. Age of Ultron. You had this new Avengers team, right? Tony's not on the team anymore. Thor's not on the team anymore. You have Scarlet Witch, War Machine, Falcon, Cap, Black Widow. And we got them we got that a little bit in Civil War, but that that team immediately breaks up, right? And we get back into this like Tony and and, and Cap stuff. And I just sort of wish that wasn't the case. Um, I think I would have liked to see just a rotating cast of of who is in the Avengers, right? Who pops in? Who is kind of like a mainstay? Who is someone that like really sticks around, right? Like you can imagine a world where we got more Avengers movies where um, the cast stayed at about, you know, Ultron had had a lot of people. They had eight people, right? That's that's no wait, it had so it had the core three, Hulk, so six. That's the core six from the original Avengers. Then you add Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, 
vision for nine total. Um, and then Quicksilver dies and it drops to eight. Um, yeah, yeah. And you, I, I just feel like you could have, you could have executed that, right? We could have had a thing where Black Panther joins the Avengers and then he spins off, or Spider Man joins the Avengers and then they learn he's a teenager and they say, "Get the fuck out," you know? Like, I don't know. It just feels like that was what uh, could have been, and instead we got like forty million people in one in one movie where I don't know, they just weren't they weren't done justice, and that sucks. Yeah, I think I think the big problem is is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is bad at medium stakes, right? Like, because like you can do like smaller stakes stuff. Um, and I even think that like you know, like, well, I mean, Homecoming again is Sony, but like, we're not Homecoming, Far From Home is Sony, but like, I felt like that was like, like I think Homecoming is very small stakes, which is good, for, like you know, thematically mm-hmm. not great, but like scale wise, good for Spider Man. Yeah. Um, Far From Home was like th- those potential stakes were way too high for it just to be Spider Man, but we we talked about that. Um. But like, you, in order to have a rotating Avengers, right? You need a you need a threat that is enough that the Avengers would go into to action, but not so big that like you know, you know, somebody else like somebody else feels obligated to jump in from wherever they are, um, in a way like you know, a way that makes sense. And I just I just think the MCU has been bad at developing those threats in a way that you know would make sense. Yeah. Like the best is maybe like, maybe. Loki is like a like the localized guardian threats make like I think the Dark Elves made sense I guess at, I think at Doctor scale, Strange like, does an okay job more more, more out of expertise yeah. than scale right like you get the sense yeah, yeah. that only Doctor Strange can deal with the dark dimension and Kaecilius you know yeah. that if Thor was there he would just get and he also doesn't know the Avengers right like yeah. he's got no reason to call Thor because like you know mm-hmm. um um and like and like like because even like there like to that point right I I think you're right but like that's not medium scale. That's just kind of like, you know, media, like that's just like specialized. Right. Like, yeah. um, and like moving for, if, if, um, if that threat happened post Avengers Endgame, it'd be feel weird for him to like, like not call out an Avenger, or at least like, you know, like, like have something to show up to like make that make sense or something. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I also sort of wish that we had better crossover. Like this is something, you know, I think Black Panther is great. Obviously it's my number two on the list or whatever, but I think I would have preferred a Black Panther where like maybe instead of general, g- general, like that's that CIA guy, um, uh, Martin Freeman's character, whatever his name is. Oh, He's general Ross. Ross's Ross. son. Yeah. Ross. Yeah. The agent. Um, if that was Bucky, I think I would have liked that better. So you have this sort of crossover where, like, maybe it's not the big boys crossing over, but maybe Falcon shows up and is kind of a minor part of Spider-Man's story or something like that. You kind of have that with Ant-Man, for instance. Yeah, um, I'm it's pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's like that's like a thing that I think would have been cool or interesting to um, to accomplish. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But. Um, we're at the end of our hour, but I promised everyone a nuclear take, so I'm going to drop this nuclear take. Give give me the nuclear um, take. Let's go. Nuclear take is that Killmonger is the most fascist um, Marvel villain. Um, Whoa! Even more fascist than the Red Skull, um, because the Red Skull, like, and this is like kind of like this. This is deep in um, in kind of like, and there's there's a large argument to hear about like what constitutes fascism, which is like a long argument that probably not suited for like us to discuss in like super deep depth but like mm-hmm. um like killmonger kind of embraces like a an almost ethnocentric like volksgemeinschaft uh kind of 
idea of what it means to be like what it means to be part of um uh, essentially the, the the black underclass which like um you know the difference obviously with nazism is like maybe there's some like like uh some stuff that's like justified there but like it is it kind of like aligns more with kind of like the kind of like almost nationalist essentialism mm-hmm. whereas the red skull isn't actually any of that right like he's he's, he's very much about the ubermensch but it's not like based on any part of like any sort of tying german ideology it's like based on actually being a super person yeah um and the thing i i think this is the more interesting thing to come out of all of that all of this is i was thinking about like old hydra and hydra in winter soldier is actually a almost a randian villain right it's like it's like skynet meets um meets harrison bergeron um right like like, like the panopticon like, right well, not, not not even the panopticon. It's like straight up like a communist dystopia, right? Like it's like we are going to kill all these exceptional people because they are too good, right? Which is like like straight up. A, oh, like I Harrison see what you're Bird saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is like a like you know this is, this is like my shower thought. Right? I was like think, thinking through all of this because like I I have been I have been thinking about the term Volksgemeinschaft, which is a, something I which is like the German. It's like a Nazi kind of uh, German um. It's like the German community type of thing. It's like an ideal. Um, there's there's some interesting history there. If anybody wants to go read about it, I won't go into it too much. But like, it occurred to me that it fits better with Killmonger than with you know the actual kind of Nazi in the in the in the in the, in the Marvel cast. But that that is my nuclear take. Do you have any thoughts on it? Do you have any nuclear? Take I do. Own? That is an interesting take. I do think I agree with it though, and it makes a certain amount of sense. Like so, for instance, I you know. Some, so a nuclear take of mine that is not related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but is related to this topic, is that um, Man of Steel is an anti-fascist movie because uh, Zod is so clearly fascistic, and Superman is ultimately asking for kind of like the will of the collective. Like, he's sort of an, an embodiment of democracy in that sense, because the American military represents sort of um, humanity and the will of the people in more some kind of subtotal than like anything kind of like individualized, right? It's not like he's following like a dictator, if that makes sense. Whereas Zod is quite literally a superhuman villain who thinks humans are beneath him and it actually kind of grants him that and it sort of says that like yeah even if you are super like superhuman or whatever all it takes is like one dissenter essentially um to kind of uh to kind of like defeat like fascism or whatever and i just don't think that many of the marvel movies have really dealt with anything kind of along those sorts of lines except for maybe black panther um where black panther is kind of core about the aggro there's there's sort of this this um black panther is like fundamentally about an aggrieved people who are legitimately and fundamentally aggrieved right like it never does the thing where like you know it says that killmonger's perspective on the black diaspora is incorrect it just sort of criticizes his his means whereas some of the other movies right like we would all criticize thanos and say you know what your malthusian bullshit just doesn't hold up to science right deleting half of the people in the universe is not going to solve shit um the and that's not the case for killmonger so yeah i would also agree that that the red skull is not a fascist um the red skull is quite honestly barely a villain you know like i don't know he's he's there as this like impediment but he doesn't have any kind of deeper ideology besides oh i'm better and i talk in a german accent i guess and that's enough iconography but he never explains a real ideology to the level that other you know villains uh 
other villains do. Um, I might also say that in a kind of cosmic sense, Ego is sort of a fascist because he is quite literally trying to subsume. But I think at that point you are too high above ide. You're not even talking about ideology there. You're talking about like metaphysics, right? Like what does it mean to be an individual? Um, And at that point you're kind of breaking down. You, you can't even really have a fascist state in hypothetically like a gestalt consciousness that Ego is like kind of like looking for. Um, But yeah, I guess I would agree with that nuclear take. So good job. Well done. (laughs) <laughs> um, yep. Do you, do you you have any nuclear takes that you want to discuss before we head into our week? No, I think I've I've done most of most of my nuclear takes. I was saving the thing about the girl moment being super cringy for this, but then we talked about it in the end game bit. I man, that moment is so bad. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, maybe oh. maybe at some point we can we can uh. When we're a little bit past, we could do like a top 10 cringe moments. <laughs> top 10 cringe moments in the MCU. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> there's, there's definitely like Wang jokes. There's definitely, uh, uh, there's definitely banner slamming into the rainbow bridge in Ragnarok. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, there's the what are those moment, which is probably low on my list, but I think it would probably make my cringe moments list, even if I yeah, think it's yeah. like the most minor thing. Oh, anyway, tell me, tell me all about, tell me all about your week, Mango. What have you been up to? So I've been playing this little game called <gasps> World of Warcraft. <gasps> what? How, how have you been enjoying your time? I saw that you did a couple of Torghast runs. That's where I think what I'm most interested in is Torghast. Have you been enjoying Torghast or not enjoying so Torghast? Torghast is interesting. Um, it is neat in a lot of ways. I, I, I think I need to play more of it. Just mm-hmm. kind of like general. Um, situation as the keen-eyed viewers might not- notice I'm not in the same place I was last time we recorded I have I am uh, uh, in I'm in a different location but uh, and so that, that has impeded my ability to play um, uh, with, with a high level of skill um, uh, so it's uh, so it feels to me like the kind of trash in Torghast is like not super compelling I'm seeing, okay. like, wisps of it getting better because you're, like, adding, like, kind of, like, if you take too long not doing things, somebody will show up and, like, try and stab you in the ass, right? Like, the like the, the chaser mob or whatever. But, like, it's too weak to be, like, super... Um, to be super, uh, like, compelling. Um, and the normal thing that happens in roguelikes is that um, they're dangerous because you don't have a great way of gaining back health. So mm-hmm. that, like, you know, if you grow up in a minor in a minor fight, it that costs you down the line. That costs you in the boss fight, which is where, like, you know, kind of the rubber hits the road. Um, but that doesn't really happen here because you can regen health so much. And maybe this is a monk thing where, like, I know monks have a lot of like self healing, so maybe I'm just I'm you know the the windwalker monks just uniquely situated to to get past that. But um, I still find it super interesting and fun. Um, I've definitely been enjoying it. Um, I just don't know how I feel about it in total. Something I will say about the expansion as a whole is um, it's a lot easier to die. You you were talking to me while we were doing a dungeon together about like you care more about interrupts than uh, DPS at this point, and I think that's like a thing that even applies to, like world trash in a way that I that I you know I'm still having trouble adjusting to. Right, I'm used to being able to just power through enemy abilities in the world, just kind of farm for a while, and you need to 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 if you're pulling any number of mobs, you need to make sure. you're you're on point with your interesting meat. Along with this comes like I find death to be a lot more punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe this is I went the Ardenweald um covenant um and maybe this is particular to the Ardenweald but I find like the walk to get back to my corpse to be a slog in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, well, because I feel like we're used to flying, right? Like, a lot of the time, you you can just fly back to your corpse on, like, a ghost, right. whatever. Um, but there is no flight in Shadowlands yet, so yeah. we're just walking, and it sucks. <laughs> Not only that, but I also feel like there's less kind of, like, open, open air, like, Less areas that are easily transversible, or like that are one-way transversible, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, again, this might be Ardenweald in particular, but there's just like southeast, south, western corner of the map has like a lot of ridges and a lot of kind of like tight spaces to explore, which is cool. But it makes walking back to your corpse a chore in a lot of situations. Um, I haven't died as much in the other parts because I haven't been exploring as much, so I, I can't say as much on that but like it's yeah i've also um, felt it with gear like baron is obviously very well geared but i have alt set 60 that are not as well geared and so i i will catch myself doing things where it's like well i'm baron i just show up and i pull all this shit and i like blow all my cooldowns and i i murder it because i have a bazillion health and all this damage or whatever but on you know like my rogue or even another warrior right um I, I just can't. I also want to highlight in the chat that uh, that Lou says, can playing I'm just the girl for a fight scene make that cringe list? Absolutely. I cringed so hard. We didn't talk about that, but and that was also insanely cringy. <laughs> oh my god. Boy, that movie's bad. Anyway. Uh... Um, yeah, one of the interesting things with Torghast is it got nerfed to the ground, which I was very surprised about, and I think I disagree with overall, but, well, you know, I, I'm kind of, like, willing to take it. Basically, so what happens, what happened is, in a, if, if, if you're not following the drama, I guess, is on the World of Warcraft subreddit, the first week of Shadowlands, everyone was like, oh my god, Torghast is really great, Torghast is really fun. Second week goes by, third week goes by, you're opening up, and you're opening up higher and higher levels, right? So the first week, getting to level three was not insanely terrible, and, you know, once you got a, a couple of pieces of gear, you know, you could do it, right? Like, I was able to clear uh, both rank, or both floors of... Or both wings. God, this is so confusing. Both wings at layer three. Um, the first two weeks of the first two weeks of the expansion, which was great, and I had a lot of fun doing that. Then the raid opens up, and wings four or layers four, five, and six open up. Right. So then climbing up those layers, that actually became pretty tough. Right. That became kind of a slog, and I was having I was having more trouble, and it was taking longer. But I, I was eventually able to get there. Right. And I cleared both layers or both six and uh, both wings at layer six for like the maximum amount of ash then this week mythic rating opens up and layers seven and eight the final two layers in torgas open up and the wow subreddit goes fucking bananas they go bonkers um because people are losing their runs people are going through and they're spending an hour and a half in torgas and then they die on the final boss and um and they're just insanely frustrated, and they go out of the World of Warcraft subreddit, and it was this intense, intense circle jerk for a couple of days, right, where they were like, Torghast is the worst, what a fucking slog, I said two weeks ago I love Torghast, now I hate Torghast, or whatever, um, and Blizzard turned around, and, oh, and one more thing, Blizzard buffed Torghast to make it harder. Um, because they were finding that tanks and healers, D for DPS it was about tuned, but for tanks and healers it was specifically pretty easy to go through higher levels of Torghast. That was that was not intended, so they made it a little bit they made it a little bit harder to sort of um, to sort of compensate. 
I was able to get through layer seven after two tries. I had my first attempt, which I think I would have beaten, but we were running up on raid time. I like started at like 5.30 or whatever, and I just wasn't go clearing it fast enough. So I had to drop out of it, you know, for raid. And then the second time I went in there, uh, I cleared it in one shot without too much trouble. Um, and then I attempted a layer eight and I failed out pretty quickly. Um, and I was like, woof, like, there it is. That's the, that's the challenge. Um, and then about two or three days after, uh, layers seven and eight showed up, they nerfed Torghast into the ground. Some of the hardest enemies got super nerfed. Um, they decreased basically everyone's health pool by 25% all across the board. And they said they wanted, the, the intended state was that the difficulty of layer eight now is the difficulty of layer six before right with kind of talking about how the intention was you were climbing layers as you got better and more geared right um and opening like layer eight you know like layer eight is for mythic raiders layer eight is for high level mythic plus players it's not there for someone who's in heroic blues right should maybe they can clear layer eight if they get a great combination of powers they get a really sweet build or something like that but you know like really at the end of the day layer eight is there for uh very like very high-end players kind of thing but that like because you know the the raid comes out in the cadence that it comes out um people just weren't able to clear layer eight and so now it has been now it has been nerfed and i would say that it is too easy uh when i was doing layer eight this week i was like this is kind of a this is not hard at all this is sort of this is sort of just uh you know a slap fight i'm just like getting rid of everything i think part of that is that i like you know like i am a, a higher end player in a lot of ways um and maybe like this isn't the challenge that's built for me and the challenge itself was for casual for more casual players but it is like a huge thing and so i don't really know i just wanted to give you all that backstory because it's like the big drama in the walk community right now <laughs> so i will say that I th a thing that i think is a flaw is that and, and this is this is actually i think a fairly common roguelike problem is that um the boss is like the the, the difference between the 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 trash and the actual boss is such that it feels bad to like, you know, stomp your way through the the dungeon and then lose on the boss. And it yep. takes a while to do. Like, I think it would be less of a problem if you were, you know, in a run that you were ultimately going to fail. You were failing out on four one. I think another part of this too is that there's no kind of interstitial, um, there's no interstitial like benefit. So like, if you fail out at the end of the run, you've don't get anything. Yeah, this right. really bothers me. I really feel like Anima should drop out of Torghast. So even if you wipe on the final boss and you get kicked, you know, like that sucks, but at least you're going to be walking away with 500 Anima or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that would also provide a, that would provide a, a, a incentive maybe to do it when you don't just want to gather Ash, right? Like, yeah. Like, I think it's neat, but I have no reason. To, like, I am mildly annoyed by, you know, having to... I'm, I'm my first set of runs is like you know it's like so it says like you get 200 for the first level and layer and 120 for the second layer it's like it includes previous runs. It's like oh so i'm gonna get 320 on this it's like no i think correct me if i'm wrong but uh no you it does work that way you when you complete no. a higher layer you so, get everything from the lower layers not if you've already done them that week right so i have to beat the lower levels to build up to the higher oh levels. i see what you're saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah, but that's like a one-time so, thing, you know? Like, at this point yeah, now, no, it, it, I've beaten Layer 8, yeah, so I have Layer 8 unlocked for every week right. left in the season. It, 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 
that is a very minor thing, but it is kind of like a, you know, like, well, it, it sucks to do those second and third layers because you're doing, you know, eff effectively you're doing 320 ash worth of work for 120 ash, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, not the end of the world. Like you said, it's it's a, it's, it's a temp temporary thing. It's going to be a, probably a couple of weeks for me because I just don't have the time or the, the care to, to blitz them all up in one week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's still I don't know I I I I I think it needs like to like if we could tune those two pieces I think it'd be it'd be truly great but it's fun, um. Yeah, the other the other mechanic that I find that I'm finding super intriguing is kind of the um the zone watcher level for uh for the maw, mm -hmm. um, um which I think is neat. It's also like with the with the drop um with the uh what's it called the 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 dropping your Stygian souls or whatever it is yeah. Um, I think I think that's neat. Um, it's uh, it like it's I think it's good when like you've got some stuff to do so you can like you know it feels like you're like you know gathering some significant amount of souls and like really like risking them to, to go out. I feel like when you don't have a thing to do and you're just kind of walking around and you're risking dropping souls because you just happen to be out, that feels less good. Um, and especially because you can't like farm it super effectively, which I get why they do that. It just feels like feels like I'm going to be avoiding doing stuff in the maw if i don't have something specific to do in the maw if that makes sense yeah i think part that. of it is the value that gets assigned to stygia and venari rep like so i've been doing the maw every day on Bairn, um because obviously like he's my main and stygia will eventually unlock the ability for me to put sockets on my gear so that i can like make you know that that's a that's a straightforward power increase right and also venari has all these like things uh, that the different rep levels that allow me to um, like upgrade Torghast, but those are all account wide, right? So I have all of them at this point. But I've been going into the mod every day. The other thing is I've been going into the mod with, like a, with a big group, right? Like we, you know, like we'll broadcast in the guild or whatever. We'll be like, hey, we're going to the mod, and everybody gets together and we get like a big, you know, five to eight people who are grouped together, and um, and moving through the mall with that group becomes fun as sort of like a coordination, almost like a raid in a way, but like, but like on a smaller, uh, on a smaller scale, because so at this point, we know the amount of eye of the jailer that we get for any individual activity. And we can kind of plan our route. And we're making decisions like, oh, well, can we afford to drop in and do this rare? Well, yeah, let's let's pick off this rare before we head to the next daily quest. And like, and that stuff, I just find, like, interesting and fun. But the maw is not super deadly to me anymore. Um, the first couple of days, it definitely was. But now that I'm both geared, and I'm going in with a coordinated group who understands like the maw super well um it's not as much of a like a like a challenge of am i gonna drop my stygia um as much as it is like a, am i gonna be efficient i guess um afterwards so yeah and i think part of the difference here too is uh, and i haven't and i haven't done a lot of it uh in, in a day or so but uh when i was playing before I was had war mode on, which doesn't have the same. I think you only drop one Stygia if you get killed by a player, but like there are a lot of people, and like actually doing the activity is kind of hard. It's fun if you want a PvP, but if you're looking to just do stuff, it's just you know, uh, maybe I'll I'll come back with war mode off to like actually do. I kind of love it. It's I I've never done it to be fair, but this but like what it sounds like 
is pretty like brutal <laughs> which oh, is kind of is like awesome in a way you know like i don't know uh i feel like what really is it just it's just kind of like if you want to like do the quest to do things it's just aggravating i guess yeah like, one of the things uh, being fun. one of the things that's nice is that you unlock like like convenience over the course of Venari's rep reputation. So, for instance, she'll have a grappling hook for you, and there are these grapple points all around. So, like, this is something we do all the time now: is we'll Spider-Man across known grapple points in order to dodge mobs or get get across the map in an efficient way. Um, and I imagine that like having that access to that stuff will make War Mode like much easier. Like, for, for instance, Venari will eventually unlock a teleporter that lets you get all the way to the north or all the way to the south of the map pretty quickly, so you don't have to leave through that one cave that is just like a bloodbath. I mean, they added the invisibility to make it better, but when it first launched, there was not that invisibility. And you're just seeing people post screenshots of like bodies, you know, like right outside of Venari's little cave, which I always thought was pretty, pretty funny. No, I did. You know, I, even with the invisibility, I've seen that. And it, like I said, it's fun when it's fun, but like when it's like you and like 30 people from the opposite faction and like two people from your faction, then it's kind of like, yeah, you know, like at that point it stops being entertaining. right? It's, it's so you like... went um, for Night Fae, you said, uh, for mechanical reasons, for RP reasons, like what, for aesthetic, you know, to do like the um, mount, for instance. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of one, a little bit of another. Um, mechanical reasons, but not because I thought that like because I thought it was, like, numerically the best, but, like, I just like the way the Feyline Stomp felt the best. Um, like, like you know, every everything else, all the other mechanics were kind of, like, opportunity, kind of, like, you know, like, pick when you're going to use this because it's a fairly long cooldown type of thing, right? Um, uh, I think that was true for all of them. and But, like, the Feyline Stomp is, like, use it when you have it, and then, like, you have a chance to reset it and just, like, stomp. Stomp whenever you can stomp, and I thought, thought Stomp felt really good, right? Like, That's cool. Know, it's like it's a big sound effect, and you put your thing on the ground, and then this nice graphic of, like shoots out of uh, up from your phone. Like this is nice. Do you have any um, kind of like ideological? You know, th this is something that that's popped up in our guild because everybody's in our peer, right? Um, right. So, for instance, everybody hates Bastion because they like make people forget their memories or whatever, and. Um, and it's honestly become, like, an out-of-character thing. Like, the other day, we were talking in raid chat about how much I liked killing dogs, because one of the things in the... One of the things in the raid is you fight, like, a, hunt, a huntsman character who sixes dogs on you. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love getting an execute phase with a dog. I just want to execute that dog. And Sarian was like, well, I really wish I hadn't heard that. And I said, well, you're a Kyrian, so you can go delete the memory later or whatever. And I, I kind of like that in a way, like on a, on a sort of like, you know, banter level, I guess, that um, uh, that those sorts of like decisions, I get like, like react. Yeah. And it's not just like a pure gameplay thing. Um, one of the things that's funny is that for Night Fae, like the the mechanically best ability for druids is night fey which kind of like makes sense because most druids like want to yeah. be night fey for kyrian the mechanically best ability for paladins is kyrian um which also sort of like makes sense i almost sort of like wonder did like blizzard like anticipate this and they were just kind of like you know what listen 
most death knights are going to want to go necrolord so let's just like buff that one up a little bit you know um instead of having to make someone choose hypothetically between you know going a aventhyr necrolord versus or aventhyr death knight versus a necrolord death knight or whatever um because we obviously talked a lot about like the balance of these you know like these abilities um so yeah. Yeah, to, to answer your question um like that was definitely part of the consideration right like um, I also didn't like Bash, and, and, like, the visceral part is definitely that memory thing, but there's also kind of, like, like the kind of, like, heaven, but actually bad kind of trope. It's just something that kind of grates on me. Um, <laughs> it's, like, not particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I liked I liked the Necrolords, right? Like, I thought, like, that storyline was pretty cool, but it's also very much not Billamong. Sure. Right? Like, um, like, Billamong is, is like, I, I thought of ways that I could, like, make it work but like ultimately being a gardener is like much more like you know a thing that billamong is is about yeah um and the vent and so I, when i was going through the uh uh the the venthyr stuff i texted you or i, I messaged <laughs> you that i like i just hated it um and i came around on it a little bit but that was like so that moment was when i was dealing with like like duke Thanatar, who whatever his name is like theater like the first good yeah theater yeah. he's like one of the first good guys you meet, and he's also annoying as fucking shit, and I'm just like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Yeah, I was, um, I was impressed at how much I thought Duke Theotar, the Mad Duke, was, uh, I don't know, not fun. Like, those kinds of characters you think would be, like, fun or whatever, but I don't know. I, I didn't connect with Venthyr as much as I expected to, but I think it is honestly just because the, um, it has you do that thing where the game forces you to be a dickhead, and then kind of, like, yells at you afterwards. And it's not a harsh yelling, right? Like, I, it's it's not something like Spec Ops, which is, like, really lambasting the player. Though I also, I like Spec Ops a lot, obviously. Because um, Spec Ops has, like, a very, like, laser-focused kind of point to what it is getting at. And the way that it is kind of, like, attacking you and your kind of complicity or whatever. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like, I just don't want WoW to be that fucking serious. And it was one of those things where I immediately read, I was like... Lord Chamberlain is such a piece of shit. And I know, because I, I understand, you know, like, what what's coming in the expansion. Castle Nathria is the first raid, and the Master is the final end boss of the first raid tier. So, obviously, I'm on the wrong side. And it's like, how do you protect against that, you know? Um, yeah. Or even worse, right, like, um, the Halls it's of so Atonement... Yeah, like, the Halls of Atonement dungeon opens up, and... You can fight Lord Chamberlain and before, and, but, like, you're working with him in the quest, and I'm just like, what? who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Um, yeah. Though, you know, what are you going to do? I, I have a lot of sympathy, because, like, obviously, like, WoW is kind of, like, it is partially game as sport and partially game as art, and you can't always marry those two things together, right? At the end of the day, you know, for instance, one of the weird things is that the Spires of Ascension dungeon, um, that was released on day one, right? Like, we could all queue into the Spires of Ascension as soon as you're level 60. And you learn there that, like, Devos is the, you know, she becomes the paragon of whatever, the bad guy, this bad guy, um... And it's trying to dethrone the Archon. But, like, when you finish the Bastion storyline, you don't know that. Yeah. You, when you when you start the Kyrian Covenant campaign, you don't know that. You have to get through, like, week three or four of the Kyrian Covenant campaign before, technically speaking, your character learns that Devos is the bad guy and the Spires of Ascension kind of, like, unlocks in lore. Um, the same thing is true for the other side, which is, a, which is an amazing dungeon. Maybe my favorite, yeah. 
but like you know it just comes out of fucking nowhere um but i feel like those are just like considerations that are naturally made because you're you're playing in an mmo and you have to be able to you know play the play the dungeons when they when they release yeah no absolutely no, I, I i definitely feel that um uh but yeah no i i think i agree with you on uh, 100% there have I, you I do, have you I played through all the dungeons um, I think I've played through most of them. I've done the other side. I've done Spires of Ascension. I've done um, the one, the the Venthyr one, uh, where General Draven, uh, yeah, you know, beats the guy up at the end. Um, I don't. I think I might be missing one then. Um, but uh, I've just I've been kind of doing random when I when I get the opportunity, because um, I'm still undergeared generally, mm -hmm. so kind of derping around. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's been, I do appreciate that, like, it feels like there's more to, like, I have felt for a long time that playing DPS is a lot of just kind of like, you know, hit your rotation really well and, like, maximize deeps and, you know, that's how DPS works. And that's, that can be soothing in some ways. Um, and that's kind of also why, like, I enjoyed the raids when I, when I did raid with you guys back in Legion, right? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's stuff to do, right? Um. And I feel like there's more of that's been brought down to kind of the lower levels, which I'm enjoying. Um, uh, in terms of like you know making sure like um, some of the, the part that caught me by surprise is like it's a little bit more ro right like like with the bosses DBM yells at you right, which I think is useful. I like you know just kind of know what's what's happening, but like DBM doesn't yell at you as much for like trash things mm -hmm. to interrupt. Um, and so it's just it's just a thing to learn. Um, yeah, my number on. one point piece of advice for if you want to be a good player, interrupt. I play with people. I'm gonna subtweet the shit out of a bunch of my friends here. I play with a bunch of people who do not interrupt, and uh, and I think you know, I think that stuff matters. I actually don't. I you know, I picked up a DPS meter, um, which I I famously talked about how oh I love not having a DPS meter or whatever. Well, I picked up a DPS meter, and it's really nice having having the DPS meter. But I actually keep it on interrupts now i just want to see who's interrupting and when um because one of the things you know it's like something that we talk about that's fun is sort of like decoding a raid right where you're like learning mechanics and like specific interactions and like that's not super true like at the end of the day most of the time you're going to watch a video it's going to tell you all the mechanics you do you do the choreography and you're fine but one of the things that's nice about mythic plus is that the the trash does you don't do that so like when we're going through the dungeon we're learning like what are the trash that we pull what are the trash that's dangerous what are the things we have to interrupt on these mobs and a lot of the times we were like missing stuff like that but now it's like okay well we have to interrupt drain fluids we have to interrupt the you know the fear that this guy is going to do or whatever um and really knowing you know like knowing that stuff and making sure that we have um we have it in mind is is like it's like that's the sort of like discovery part that is so uh fun i guess to put together um i'm really enjoying mythic plus uh, i think these i like the bfa dungeons a lot to be honest with you um and i think that battle for azeroth is where mythic plus really came into its own um it was fine in legion and it was fun in legion but like the legion dungeons were not quite built for mythic plus as as well as the bfa dungeons were and then like the the special affix which we haven't even touched the special affix for um this expansion yet but it's just like fun climbing up the the ladder right going from a two to a three to a four to a five and picking up the the individual affixes and you know like where are the bosses hard where are they difficult what are the good bosses what are the bad bosses what are the tough trash packs all of that stuff 
stuff just like feels really nice. We picked it all up in 8.3, right, at the very end of BFA, and it's sort of sweet to be coming into Shadowlands and immediately sort of being like, well... I love this dungeon. For instance, I really like Theater of Pain. Theater of Pain is probably my favorite dungeon. On First of all, just on a broad story level, I just think it's fucking sweet. You go to an arena, and you just fight a lot of arena combatants. But like on a mechanical level, I think the mechanics are, are really fun and evocative, right? There's a fight against the Lich, which feels very cool. Like, the Lich drains your soul, and you have to stand in, like, these spectral grabby hand so that it grabs onto your soul and you can reach it again um fighting the abomination with these meat hooks coming down and sweeping across the room like that's just that stuff that stuff just feels super like evocative i guess of the individual like fights themselves though mordretha who is the very final boss is probably probably the most difficult boss in all of the dungeons like the I, I could relay the mechanics to you, like, I could tell the mechanics to someone, and they'd be like, that's honestly pretty, not that bad, you just gotta, like, dodge this, you gotta dodge that, you gotta account for this, or whatever, but, like, the tough part about Mordretha is that she has a million mechanics, and they are all firing simultaneously, so you do that thing where you dodge one thing, and then you get smacked by another, and that's, like... It's a frustrating feeling sometimes, but I really like it. It reminds me of bullet hell, you know, like kinds of um, yeah. uh, shmup sort of games, right? Where like I fall into this weird zen of just kind of like, yeah, I'm not really looking at the mechanics. I just kind of have this like intuitive sense for how to move to dodge everything. And that just feels great. I don't know why. That's like one of my favorite, one of my favorite feelings in video games. No, I, I definitely get that. Um, one of the things that I'm enjoying is uh, how easy it seems to be, like, good at rando dungeons. Like, like I do have that, like, that, that the DPS meter up, um, and, like, I'll be, like, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll be, you'll be with, like, some guy who's, like, super good, and, this is, you know, that's, that's fine, too, but, like, mm. I'll be in, like, like random targets, and I'll be, like, you know, 40% of the damage in a fight. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine, right? Like, it's like, what are you, what are the rest of you doing? Like, you know, even just for like you know, you know, reading the journal, right? Like we 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 were wiping on it's um, it's a fight with a big lich that calls down a bunch of ice, and then like one person gets carried away and has yeah, to, the at the uh, end of uh, the necrotic wake, you fight you fight like the frost yeah. lich or whatever. Yeah, and that's that's fun, but the healer like I guess didn't read it and like was like I don't know why, but like I can't dispel fast enough, and like you know like and like I'm just like why it's like I you know hey I think. You might be dispelling with people inside the radius, and that propagates it. Yeah. And you know, I try, I try to be nice about this, right? It's like, oh yeah, I didn't realize that. And then we we clear it next round. It's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, know? there's a lot of little mechanics that are like that. Like on that fight, for instance, when you get taken down and then you fly back up, you have like a debuff on you in Mythic, and that debuff falls off and it creates this big patch of ice and i kept seeing those patches of ice come out and i was like i guess it's just a random cast who knows right um and then the other day phalanor friend of the cast phalanor was like you have to move that and i was like move what and my uh, ice dropped off me and i was like oh i am while i am away i'm stacking a debuff on me and when i come back it's a very small arena right when i come back if i'm standing in the middle of the fucking arena i'm about to lock off everyone and we're all gonna be taking like frost damage so i need to run that out to a corner let it drop and then kind of come back and i just like like those sorts of you know small interactions um in the in the yeah, dungeons 
it's like a super mobile fight too because like like the ice you can't like stand anywhere right like yeah. even, even on like normal like the, the that is a fight that it feels good i i feel very punished as melee right now um one yeah. of the things that that the greater wow community has been talking about is called the the hybrid tax a long time ago hybrid dps specs used to be taxed because they also had access to a more core spec like healing or tank so for instance an arms warrior was expected to do less damage in a fight than a rogue because a rogue specialty is damage whereas an, an arms warrior can go back and forth between prod and arms or whatever they got rid of this because it's a dumb idea but um the new version of hybrid tax is that generally speaking fights are easier for ranged than they are for melee therefore if you are a class that has both a ranged and a melee spec your melee spec tends to suck so for instance in uh shaman you have elemental shaman who's a spellcaster enhancement shaman who's like a two-hander you know um melee melee spec and the two-handed or the the enhancement shamans are just worse because fights are just more punishing on melee than they are on range i you know like i i chafe against this a little bit for instance melee have more regular interrupts and so if you're in a group of all range dps especially with range dps like balance shrewd don't have a real interrupt uh warlocks don't have a very consistent interrupt um most range dps have an interrupt that's on 24 or 30 second cooldowns where most melee has an interrupt on 15 second cooldowns um you can get really screwed over if you kind of like go all range and there are, and there are other fights that are um like mobile fights if i'm a spellcaster and i have to run away from comet storm i'm not dpsing for any of that because i need to sit still and cast my spells maybe i can cast a couple of things on the move but generally speaking right like i don't i don't have that opportunity whereas that melee i can just circle around the boss right and i just keep punching meleeing away so you know it is it is a thing it's really interesting playing like wow now with like the i i want to play like mists of pandaria classic where it's like it's not so far back that it's like truly classic where everything is just radically different but it's like kind of close enough to mmo design but it's just like what 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 does that feel like nowadays compared to um you know what what we have in current current day shadowlands wow well, one thing i will say is there is so much to do and like yeah you know I, I said that this was, I say it true in the past, but a lot of that was like relying on going back to old content to do things, but like there is so much to do. Um, and I think it's stuff that, it's stuff that like sticks around a little bit longer, right? It's not just like one and done stuff, right? Like, you know, there's World Quests, there's Torghast, there's, you know, your your Covenant mechanics, your, your Covenant storyline, which lasts for longer than I think that most of the, the, the stuff does. Um, there's like a handful of dailies. Um, you know, and I, you know, it's it's definitely definitely cool. It's definitely enough to kind of keep you occupied for a while. Yeah, I really do enjoy that as well. Um, I think the gating on the Covenant campaign has been very has been very nice. Where every week you tune in and there's a new chapter or whatever. Um, it's also encouraged me to level alts pretty aggressively so that I can get the other stories of the other covenants. So I have a Venthyr, I have a a Night Fay, and I have a Necrolord. Um, so I can see all of those kind of like campaigns. Also, I was very surprised how easy it was to catch up on alts. Um, you know, to like get to where I am on Bairn on, you know, uh, one of my alts. Story-wise, I mean, gear-wise, nobody can touch, you know, like I put way more time into Bairn than anybody else. And so, 
there's just no way that anyone's going to touch that. Loot has also been, like, it is much more rare nowadays, which we all knew going into this because they were getting rid of Titan Forging, getting rid of War Forging, right? You know, loot is loot. If you get a drop, it is that drop. The only possible thing is that sometimes, if it's the right, you know, piece of gear, it might get a socket. But even then, right? Um, and that has felt pretty, pretty good overall because I feel like I'm keeping my gear for longer. Right. Like when I get a choice piece of gear, I'm like, this is going to last me the whole fucking season. You know, the, the next five months, I'm never going to have to worry about this trinket again or whatever it is. Have you crafted a legendary, by the way? Not yet, because I don't have a memory that that even works to my spec. I have like a okay. Weaver, uh memory. Um, but uh, we'll see. Fair um, enough. I have pieces. Um, but, uh, you know. All right, well, we've gone over talking about the World of Warcraft. <laughs> oh, something I did want to point out about Cyberpunk, and maybe we'll talk more about Cyberpunk at some point because there's been a lot of stuff coming on the point, but something I forgot to talk about last week was that it committed the cardinal anti-mango sin, which is you can't rebind all of the keys in the most maximally flexible way. You ah. can't rebind like, to arrow keys, which is like a big thing for me personally. Yeah. You don't the config files and edit them, but it causes problems. And so, like, that's like a... That is a aggravating but forgivable sin but it shouldn't be on like the premiere game yeah and cyberpunk has a ton of ton of these kind of issues i do think it's still stand by that i think it's an overall pretty good game mm -hmm. um but what i will probably revisit in six to twelve months um but uh you know it's just it, that, that was just the thing i wanted to highlight because I, I forgot to last weekend it's, 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 fair enough i also finished the sopranos this week and i was going to talk a little bit about it but we can we can hold that uh do you want to do a sopranos cast i think you would really enjoy it and i'm interested to I see need, i need to watch i do need to watch okay so later in the you know in 2021 we'll eventually do a sopranos cast i have a lot of fucking thoughts about this show <laughs> like um <laughs> so I, I won't i won't talk about any of that stuff in the back half all right well so I guess we're with done that, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. God damn, that was like, that was a lot of weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, Wonder Woman is coming out soon. We're going to do Mandalorian soon. Um, I guess that's we're about it. Soon. We're going to do derpies. Yeah. Off. I didn't think about we're, that. We're off next week, though. Yes, because so. it is Christmas um, week. Or no, this is Christmas yeah. week. That's New Year's yeah. week. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the, it's the holiday inter yeah. interregnum. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll do derpies after we come back. I feel like that's that might be the right call. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. With that. Um. And oh, I should do the exit stuff. Uh, if you want to email us about any of the things we talked about in this podcast, you can email us at podcasts.com or gmail.com. You can follow twitch.tv or you can watch these episodes live now. Rate review us on SoundCloud and iTunes, all the places that you find podcasts. You feel you're feeling particularly generous. You can donate us at patreon.com/slashdrosplaygames. That's everything I have. But do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>